I thank God for the opportunity to be with you. I thank God for your pastors. How many love their pastors? Amen. I went to preach somewhere and I asked them, I said, how many love the pastor? And even the pastor's wife didn't say amen. I got real nervous, like real quick, but it's good to be in a house that loves the leadership and loves what God is doing. And it's amazing what God is doing. And I want you to know it's uncommon. It's not normal. This doesn't happen everywhere. So thank God that he planted you here. He could have planted you anywhere, but he planted you in a house that is blessed with the favor of God. So thank God for this house. And I thank God. For my pastor, Pastor Sam Rodriguez, who seven years ago saw something in me, I had given up a pastorate, and I didn't know what was next, and I had nothing. And I met Pastor Sam, and he took me under his wing, and he's believed in me. And everything I'm doing today is because of God through Pastor Sam. I love that man. His parents, I I thank God for his parents. They gave him the right name. He's like the prophet Samuel because he anoints others, and he builds platforms for others. And I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for that man. So I thank God for him. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 19 and 20. Uh, reading from the, new, or from the King James Version, I believe is what we're going to read from. And I brought a New Living Translation, so I'm just going to, tr- well, you know, I'm just going to read it the way I read it. You just believe me. When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened, and he asked, is the child dead? And they said, yes, he is dead. Verse 20, then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, and I lost my verse, and anointed himself and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord, and after that, he returned to the palace and was served food. And hey, Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've never had to do this. I'm just between you and me today. I've never had to do this whole thing about where you preach. Then you get in a car and you across the city and then you go and you preach. And right when you're feeling calm, they're like, we got to go back. So like, I like, I'm kind of like, I want to preach, but like, I'm nervous that like, I'm going to pulled off. I feel like it's like the Apollo and like somebody's going to come and take me off the stage here in a minute. So if I race, it's not my Colombian blood. It's just, I, I see, I see the, the car out there like running already. <laughs> Without a doubt, there is no one that is preached about more outside of Jesus Christ. There is no one that is preached about more, sung about more, has had more books written about him than this man named David. He has reached the proverbial apex that every Christian is seeking in the 21st century. He has reached the favor of God. He is living, I mean, not God, but I mean God. I mean, he is living under the blessing of God. I mean, he's under the, ah, because the ah is double portion. So he's living under the blessing of God. Ah, he has reached this level that is called the favor of God, where everything works out for him. Everything goes right for David. He is chosen when no one else believed in him. He is loved of God when his family just kind of forgotten about him. He's a hero to Israel when, when, when the armor didn't fit him. He is this incredible man who fights lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. And yeah, even a few Goliaths along the way. This is a man that is anointed of God. He's given things that he was never expecting, never dreaming about. And on top of that, the man can write some music and play that harp. And when he sings, demonic spirits flee. And when the spears fly, they never hit him. I mean, he is living under the favor of God. David's issue is that he's chosen of God, loved of God. He's a hero of Israel, but he's still human. And this little tidbit, as elementary as it sounds, is one of the biggest mental roadblocks that every Christian has. That you can be 
chosen of God, that the mind that was in Christ Jesus is now also inside of you. When you're baptized, you become a new creature, and it's true that you're more than a conqueror, that you're the head and not the tail, that you're chosen and you're appointed and you're full of the Holy Ghost and this and that. All of the promises that you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out, all of those things are true about you, yet at the end of the day, you're still a human. You still live here on the earth. You have not been translated into the heavens. I don't, I don't get like the Enochs, the Melchizedeks, the people that like are so perfect that they're just, you know, they're chilling. And then one day they're chilling and they're in heaven. I don't get, you give me a Rahab, a David, a Samson, I'm like, that's my people right there. And not because I'm Rahab. Don't like start, ju- ooh, they brought Rahab. Hey, don't judge me. I'm just saying. Like it makes a little more sense. Samson, I'm like, I got you. I understand. I got testimony too. Her name wasn't, I don't, don't start reading into my stuff right now. Look at me. Ooh, he's, he's got some mess in his closet. Don't judge me. But I can relate to people that have mess. I can relate to people that are called of the Lord yet struggle. That are anointed of the Holy Ghost yet fight temptation. And so I can relate to David. Because as a human, there are days where things are wonderful and they're perfect and they all work out. And you wake up and you wake up so spiritual. You wake up quoting the verse. You wake up quoting the Bible. You wake up and... This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I mean, you're already smiling. You go take a shower, get out, say, bye, honey, bye, kids. And then you get that mic. You just right there in the shower. You look at the shampoo and the conditioner. Look in that mirror and you, this is the day. Ah, this is the day. Come on, conditioner. Come on, body load. That the Lord hath made. And then you get in a car, drive to work, and someone cuts you off. And you cuss them out. You go from this is the day to cussing them out and the same day. And I got good news for you. That doesn't mean you lost the Holy Ghost. It just means you're human. And things just aren't working. There's some days where you go and you're, you're under the Alicia Keys anointing. With that old hymn that Sister Alicia wrote. You know, this girl is on fire. I mean, it's all working out. And then, day, and then there's days where you go to work and they say, girl, <clears throat> you're fired. I mean, put it in the box and go. Security. Walk that girl out of here. You go from being on fire to you're fired. You buy the wrong stock. Invest in the wrong thing. How many remember Bitcoin? You remember when it was at $20,000? You know why it fell? Because I bought some. Like the day I bought it, it was like. Like I have the gift of like deflating the balloon. There's days where things just don't work out. And so I'm talking about David. Now, I'm not talking about the king. I'm not talking about the psalmist. I'm talking about David. The man has made a mess. David is in a mess. He has fallen in sin. There's a child that's going to come out of, uh, out of wedlock. Things are a mess in his life. Yet in the midst of his mess, Pastor Sam told me one time, he said, Tony, he said, you're so blessed that even your problems turn into blessings. Because listen, he's in the middle of a mess and the prophet comes to David and says, you messed up. Thou art the man. You have fallen in sin. Yet even in your mess, he said, you're not going to die. You're going to live. However, the child will die. Now, 
just for a moment, detach yourself from the emotion of what I just said and understand the prophetic symbolism of what the prophet is saying to David. You're going to live, but what was conceived in sin, the memory of the sin, that thing that the sin was bringing to life, that is going to die. That should be good news for someone in this house that is fearful that a skeleton is going to come out of the closet or that something that happened in your past is going to come back. I'm here to tell you in Jesus' name that when God does a restorative work, he does it all the way and I'm here to declare to you that that which was conceived that what you thought was going to come back to haunt you God under his grace and his mercy is about to cover it under the blood and the Bible says that what God throws into the sea of forgetfulness no man can remember it because even God doesn't remember it that means that when your accuser stands before the father and says but they did this and they did that God says I don't know what you're talking about but you remember in 2007 no I don't remember you remember remember last Tuesday no I don't remember why because it's under the blood of the lamb but David being a human like you and I wants his cake he wants it all and he says, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for that child. That child is going to live. I want that baby. That baby. And so he goes into prayer and intercession and into fasting. And he believes and he confesses and he is believing for God to do the miraculous. And after seven days, the child dies, which begs the question of what I came to preach. And I promise you that this is a, this is a positive sermon today. But I want to ask you today, what do you do when you lose? Because I know how you act when you win. I know how you praise when everything works out. But what about when it doesn't go your way? What about when he doesn't answer the prayer? I, I guarantee you upon my ministry, upon my life, upon everything I have, I promise you God will answer your prayer. I just can't promise you that he's going to answer it the way that you want him to. But he will answer. What do you do when things don't work out? What do you do when things aren't the way that they're supposed to do? What do you do? David's servants are fearful. They don't even want to tell him that the child has died because they don't know how he's going to act. They're expecting him to go crazy. They're expecting him to lose his mind. They said if he went nuts when we told him the kid was sick, imagine what he's going to do now when they tell him that the child has died. What do you do when things don't work out? This story has been... My life's testimony for the last three years. March the 3rd, 2015, I woke up. I came home from a trip, got to Virginia Beach. My suitcase was still packed, went into a meeting, and got a call that my father had unexpectedly passed away. Had to take my bag, jump right back in an airplane, go to, go to Chicago to see, to, to, to conduct my father's funeral. I didn't, never got a chance to say goodbye to him. He just passed away. And then a year after my, pa my father passed away, my wife of 14 years had supported me, stood by my side as I built a church, bought property, sold our house in the name of Jesus, did crazy things in the name of revival. She was a worshiper. She was a singer. But she just supported me while I was doing everything I was doing. At the end of 2015, I felt God say, let her record a CD, help her, like support her. Not let her. Like we're not machista, you know. But like <laughs> some of right now is like, oh, you're going to let her. Okay, okay. No, no, I meant like. Like, ask permission, can I pay the bill? Because, you know, we're women power. So I was like, can I help? <laughs> Women's Day. Uh, so I, uh, I said, honey, can I pay for your, your seat? So she recorded the album, finished February the 15th of 2016, finished recording that album. She had a bad cough, wasn't feeling really well. February the 20th, went to the ER, and we got the news we never expected. They said, sir, your wife has leukemia, and she has two weeks to live. 
I have three children at home. They're 11, 10, and 7 years old. Two boys and a girl in the middle. My life has been rocked. Now, God extended her life more than two weeks, but my wife ultimately passed away within six months. There was no symptoms. There was, my wife was only 32 years old. Now I'm left with the reality that I'm a traveling preacher with three children. I lost my wife, and I preach healing. I do healing crusades. I believe that God's a healer, and now my wife has passed away. What do you do when you pray for others, and God heals them, and then your wife passes away? What do you do? This, this story is my life. I was in the hospital just trying to grasp what's going on. Pastor Sam called me one night at like 1 or 2 in the morning, and he said, Tony, open your Bible. He said, look in the book of Daniel and tell me where the Bible says that the three Hebrew children saw the fourth man in the fire. And I said, okay, I'm opening it. And he's like, you're, you're taking way too long. You're like, he's like, this is a high-maintenance relationship. This is taking way too long. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like uh, we're kind of going through something here right now. Like, I just, you know, I'm like, let me look. He said, the Bible doesn't say that the three Hebrew children saw the fourth man in the fire. It says that Nebuchadnezzar saw the fourth man in the fire. He said, you're in a situation where you don't see God, but that doesn't negate the fact that God is with you. Who am I prophesying to right now? Who, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm talking to someone in that back corner over there that needs to know that even though you can't see him, you can't feel him, you can't hear him, that doesn't negate the fact that God is with you and he's a soon and present help in the time of trouble. And if you'll stop cursing and you'll just say, Jesus, I believe as the songwriter said, he's as close as the mention of his name. wife passed away it wasn't what we're expecting it's not what we were trying to live through what do you do what do you do when things don't work out because it's here that we see your real faith because it's easy to believe when it's someone else that's sick it's easy to to give counsel when it's someone else's problem we have the gift of giving counsel someone's going through something well you just need to pray I just feel in my spirit, you just need to go on a 21-day fast. I mean, you've never fasted three days, but I just feel like if you did 21 days. What do you do when it's you? What do you do when it hasn't worked out? My life was not working out. I get to tell my kids, mommy, I, I, I had to go, I don't, we don't even have enough time to tell the details, but I'm going through the situation with my wife, and it's in the hospital that God takes me to this story, and I start reading about David. There's one thing that's consistent about David's life, one thing that's consistent, you'll see it all throughout the scriptures about David's life. David never, never, and when I mean never, I mean never, he never lost his praise. Listen. He praised God when he was alone on a hillside. He praised God when he was in the presence of Saul. He praised God when he was hiding in a cave from Saul. He praised God when he was the king. He, was, he praised God when he lost the throne. He praised God in front of Goliath. He praised God when he went to fight Goliath's brothers. He praised God when they got the Ark of the Covenant back. He praised God when he died. It didn't matter how good his life was, how bad his life was. It didn't matter if he was on top of the mountain 
on the side of the mountain or hiding in the mountain, David never lost his praise because his praise was not conditional upon what was taking place in his life. David understood that praise has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. So I'm going to ask you a question, City Life. When is the last time you praised God and it wasn't for a boo, a bay, a house, a car, a boat, jewelry, money, a job, promotion? When is the last time you praised God and it had nothing to do with you and it had everything to do with God? When is the last time you said, I'm giving you praise just because of who you are? I don't have time to get into it, but there was a, a testimony. There's a petition that I had before God 11 years ago. And I said, God, if you'll do it, I'll praise you like I never praised you before. And he said, that's the problem. Your praise always has to have strings attached to it. I always have to do something for you to praise me. And he said, I'm looking for you to praise me, not based on what I do, but praise me because of who I am. Whether I do it or I don't do it, I am worthy of a praise. So we're going through the trial of our life, and I'm just studying the life of David, and I get to this story. I get to this story where things don't work out, and this was my fear. This was my biggest fear that things weren't going to work out. I believed that things were going to We thought she was healed. Charisma did an article about my wife. I, don't, I, I, have, I, I will be very transparent. We thought she was healed. The hospital said she was cancer-free. They said she was coming home three weeks early. Charisma did an article about her. We were at the appointment to get her, to get her release date from the hospital, and she, she, got, she, got a little, she got a little lightheaded and fell, and it caused internal bleeding, and 10 days later, she passed away. And I got to wrap my mind around that. And I got to raise three kids. And I can't give up on God because he's never given up on me. So he said, how come you haven't lost it? Because I got a 38-year trajectory with Jesus. I got three years of hell, but the rest of it have been good and full of the blessing of God. And so somewhere along the line, I had to make a decision. I'm not going to lose my salvation over two or three bad years. Because as the songwriter said, when I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I have been blessed. And I, got, I don't have a testimony. I got testimonies, plural, of the goodness and the blessing and the favor of God. Why don't you take a minute and forget about the hell you're living through and give God praise for all that he's done and for how good God has been to your life. The Bible says, the Bible says that when the news of the son passing away came to David, David was on the ground. He was on the ground. He was defeated. He was on the ground. And when the news came to him, he didn't lose it. He didn't lose it. The Bible says they picked himself off of the ground and he dusted himself off. And the Bible says he found oil and he anointed himself. The priest didn't do it. The pro I I hatem The priest didn't do it. 
The prophet didn't do it. His mentor didn't do it. His life coach didn't do it. He anointed himself. David may have lost a son. David may have lost his reputation. But there's one thing David never lost. He didn't lose his praise. And he never lost his anointing. He never lost his oil. He made sure that come hell or high water, there's going to be oil in my... I don't know. Jesus. There's going to be oil in my house. I'm trying... But I feel Pentecostal power in this house right now. He made sure that there was oil in his house. And the Bible says that David anointed himself. He had enough oil in his house that if no one else prayed for him, he could pray for himself. If no one else could lift him, he could lift himself off. Bible says he changed his clothes and he put on a new garment he anointed himself and the Bible says he got up and he began to praise the Lord and so when I went through my hell all I knew to do was to because I believe God's not a respected person so I said if you did for David you'll do for me so when she passed away I said I need a private room and I went in a room and I laid on the ground and I cried before God I just lost my mother my children just lost my wife and I cried before God I'm not making any I'm not pretending like it didn't hurt it hurts I cried before God but then I said God in the name of Jesus I'm going to get up out of this situation. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to believe in you again. I'm going to shake off depression. I'm going to shake off insecurity. I'm going to shake off all of these thoughts that are in my mind that I don't understand. It's in Jesus' name. And, I, and I'm the kind of person I got to act in how I said, Jesus, in your mighty name, I shake it off. I shake it off. It comes off of me. It comes off of me. And I said, God, thank you. <laughs> thank you that when I was eight years old, November the 23rd, 1988, you baptized me in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues the altar of my dad's church. God, I want to thank you that I've never lost it. I want to thank you that it's still with me. Now, you don't do this now. We don't do this now. But back then when they prayed you through the Holy Ghost, they'd palm your forehead and just shake it into you. So right there in that hospital room, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I started praying for myself until I started speaking in other tongues, until I felt the anointing. What was I doing? I was anointing myself. I was anointing anointing myself. I was saying in the good and in the bad, blessed be the name of the Lord. I was, I, hallelujah. I've lost a lot, but I didn't lose the anointing. And I said, God, I don't understand you, but I trust you. I trust you with my children. I trust you with my life. So whether you give or take, blessed be the name of the Lord. You say, where do you get, how, how do you do it? If you have that picture, put it on the screen. Because a few hours before Jessica passed away, people had gathered in her room. She could no longer talk. You can only do hand signals. Maybe five, six hours. People gathered in the room. They were singing and praying. And I got close. I said, Jessica, you want them to keep singing? Thumbs up. There it is. I said, are you sure? Thumbs up. 
I asked her one last time. I said, honey, I, I, I just, I don't know. I need to be sure. I'm, I think that was our last argument because the third time she put her hand in legs, kind of shook it. Like, you know, I'm kind of going through something. Could you, could you get the picture the first time? I'm convinced that my wife's last act on the earth was lift her thumb and give God her final praise. And that's why I don't tell the story a whole lot anymore because I, I, don't, I don't want this to be like the only thing that and then someone just rebuked me and said, you can't. Anyways, I don't know how bad your life is today. I don't know how bad you think your situation is. But that thumb preaches to me every time I see that picture. Because if my wife can lift her thumb and give God her final praise hours before death, there is not an excuse in this room for you not to give God the best praise that you've given him so far this year. There's not an excuse to say God is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. But blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. I declare that there's oil in this house. However bad your situation is, He found his praise. And then the last thing, he found his place. He found his anointing. He found his praise. And then he found his place. He got his anointing. He got his praise. And then he went back to what God called him to do. And I'm prophesying to you that in this season that you called hell, heaven is about to descend on your hell. And you're going to find your anointing. You're going to find your praise. And you're going to find your place in the body of Christ. And I declare to you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper if you're not standing stand with me because I'm done one of the doctors I must have been making some noise I mean you could tell that I'm quiet one of the doctors came and said Mr. Suarez I'm so sorry about what happened but he said can I just ask you your family talks so much about God everybody's a preacher in our family he said how can you have so much faith in a God who just took the mother of your children I wasn't ready to give a theological dissertation like I wasn't like well you know <laughs> do you have a notepad ready doctor uh, point number one I just said oh I, I, we, just, we just believe and I was walking to the elevator and the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. Oh, and I went back. I said, Doc, here's the deal. We're stewards. Not stewards, but we're stewards. He goes, hey, it doesn't make any sense. I said, yeah. Um, we're stewards of every good and perfect gift from the Father. That means he gives it. We hold it. 
Let me give it back. I said, it's the genesis of the story of God. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Not so that we would cling to the son in that state, but so that his purpose could be fulfilled. And then earth had to give Jesus back. But because Jesus went up, the Holy Ghost came down. I said, before she was mine, she belonged to her parents. Before uh, she was her children's, but before that she was a mom, she was a wife. And before she was a wife, she was a daughter. And before she was a daughter, she was made by God to be a worshiper. I said, but before she was a mom, a wife, and a daughter, she belonged to him. She was a gift. And as freely as we have received, easier said than done. But as freely as we've received, freely we have to give her back to God. But I am convinced, and you call me fanatic, I'm convinced that because we gave her back and didn't give up our faith, I'm convinced that my generations are going to be blessed beyond measure. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about blessing, favor, authority, power. My 11-year-old went in to talk to her. His name's Cole. Cole went to talk to her a few hours before she died. He said, Mommy, I really want you to come home. I don't want you to have cancer. He said, if you go to heaven, they say you won't have cancer. So it's okay if you got to go to heaven. He said, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to make you proud. I'm going to obey my dad. He doesn't remember he said it, but he said it. And he said, Mommy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was never baptized. 11 years old. He said, but if Dad says it's okay, I want to be baptized at your funeral. And he walked out of that room like a little Pentecostal evangelist that he's never been. He walked out there, got his sister and got his brother, and he said, guys, Mommy wanted to see us baptized. I'm going to get baptized. You need to get baptized. And you need to get baptized. And you need the Holy Ghost. And you need the Holy Ghost. Here I am worried that they don't know the truth. And they're... And so in front of 1,500 people at her funeral, as crazy and fanatic as it sounds, my children were baptized for the remission of their sins. I buried my wife in the ground so that she can be resurrected in heaven. I buried my children in the waters of baptism and they were resurrected as new creatures. <laughs> and when my, when my six-year-old came out of the water, he came out trembling. And my son, my oldest, my, my oldest said, Zachary, say Jesus. Zachary said, Jesus, Jesus. Until the Holy Ghost came on Zachary. He could no longer talk in English because my little six-year-old started speaking in other tongues as the Holy Ghost baptized him in the waters of baptism at my wife's funeral. And a mutual friend of ours said, Tony, do you realize who showed up at the funeral? The comforter. That's why we didn't lose it. That's why I can preach to you today. Because the Prince of Peace, the comforter, the mighty God showed up. Heaven descended in my hell.
and we lost and there's been pain in the offering but I can testify to you today that God is good and his mercy endures forever 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 and you'd say why would you end a service talking about death especially when they just announce you're going to pray for the sick on Wednesday like you know what we'll catch the next healing revival like you know power to you Suarez but I don't know you say how can you laugh about it that's because the comforter showed up Dr. Rodney Howard Brown after hearing my story told me the story of his wife of his daughter passing away 15 years ago and he said make the devil pay for what he did to you I don't believe the devil took my wife it's appointed one son to man to die but I do believe he tried to take us out with depression unbelief and I do think the devil thought I would never pray for the sick again this is not an exaggeration when I tell you that in the last two years I have seen more people healed in the last two years than I did at any time before in my ministry I just came back from Mexico. We had 10,000 people at the crusade. We asked God to heal 1,000. God healed over 2,500 people. The deaf heard. The blind saw. Tumors disappeared. People came out of wheelchairs. God did miracles. We asked God to save 1,000 people. God saved over 2,200 people. And now I hear and I declare the word of the Lord to you that this Wednesday night, the same anointing that flowed in Mexico is going to flow in this house. I declare that this is a modern-day pool of Bethesda. And with your very eyes, you're going to see the miracle-working power of God flow in this place. The testimony is that God healed me and he healed my kids. And we're good today. And we honor her memory by lifting up the name of God, lifting up the name of the God that she sang about and lived for. The legacy that she lives is that her children still worship and sing to her God. I've lived through hell and I've come out on the other side I'm here to tell you I, I, I'm, I'm a little emotional today because I haven't told the story in a little bit but I'm on the other side I was at the beach with my kids a few weeks ago I just kind of felt God say look, turn around look I, you know, I, I'm Pentecostal I, I, you never look back look don't look back look far you know <laughs> don't be like Lot's wife <laughs> Well, apparently I still, because I was like Lot's wife. I'm like, hey. I look back, and you know what I saw? Spiritually speaking, we crossed over. We were on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. We're in a new stage. We're in a new season. We're in a new place. And I'm here to testify to you. I don't know. I don't know what you lived through. Maybe it was the, the recession and you just haven't been able to recover. Maybe it was a marriage issue, and you, you just the marriage hasn't. Maybe it's your, I don't know what it is. I testify to you today that there are brighter days ahead of you, and I do testify to you today you will see the other side. The fact that you survived the storm is proof positive that God's not done with you. He's not done with you. That storm should have killed you. That storm should have taken you out. That storm should have ended your marriage. That storm should have ended your business. But look at you. You're still here because God is 
is on your side. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayers that it ministered to and challenged your life. If there is anything we can pray with you about or you have a testimony that you would like to share with us, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. Again, we invite you to be our guest at one of our three Sunday morning worship experiences, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., or 12.30 p.m., and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Also, you can watch our services live on our internet campus by going to citylifechurch.cc or by downloading the City Life app on your smartphones and tablets. It was great having you join us today. We'll see you next time.